Season two of Have You Got Five Minutes is brought to you in partnership with Nextdoor, the neighbourhood app that's used by one in seven households in the UK. This past 18 months, we've all needed to connect a little closer with the communities around us, and Nextdoor are working to create a kinder place for people to have a neighbourhood that they can rely on. Hello, I'm Rebecca Roberts. Hi, I'm Harriet Small. Welcome to Have You Got Five Minutes, the PR, comms and marketing podcast answering the things you'd normally have asked about at an event or while making a brew in the office. Hi Harriet, how are you doing? I'm good, how are you? I'm fine, I'm sad season two's over but I'm also glad we left it just a few days before we recorded some best bits. So it's my episode to share with you my best bits of season two. Go on then, who's first? First up, um, I've picked a clip from um, our chat with Lucy Wern about um, branding yourself and putting yourself out there. I related so much um, with what she talked about, about getting comfortable with the notion of your own brand and identity associated. And she made me laugh so much, particularly when we're talking about this alter ego you kind of adopt for your work. Her book is out, by the way. Go and buy it on Amazon. It's really good. What I really like about this conversation, I think so many people branding is about the outside whereas I think branding is also about the inside it's about your values and also like your personality and what else you bring I haven't yet found my alter ego maybe I should look for one yeah I felt like I'm on a journey of discovering the alter ego god help everyone actually when I first started out I tried to really make myself seem bigger than I was and I think part of that was my big agency experience and getting not having confidence to be like I'm a solopreneur or I want to have a lifestyle business so I started off being like we are a global agency for cool brands here's my international client roster we 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 all the time and actually the pivoting point was when I was like oh it's just me on my own now and I bring in freelancers as and when I need to scale up and down but I'm the face of it and I'm the expert and I guess because I was putting my face forward I sort of worked out my brand values and the strategy and what I wanted to talk about and what I didn't. So it was always PR focused. I was always like, I'm Lucy Werner, a PR expert. And I would just always share stories about either my journey building my business or around PR expertise and just stayed in that lane. So really the brand, although it's it's the visual, it's actually the personality side of it and why I do what I do and how I want to help the people I help that kind of came first. The visuals was sort of the fluffy bit at the end that actually I think everybody focuses on first. But actually you need to really know branding isn't really a logo. It's really about who you are, what you're doing. Once you really know yourself and you know that and it's the core of your business, then it's so much easier to build your brand. Just I mean, Harriet nodding along there like, yeah, yeah we agree with that because it's so true, isn't it? And I think particularly when you work, like I work for myself and you have that kind of identity crisis a little bit when you've been in house and you're like, what am I, what am I doing here? And I think you're right. It's almost starting really simply about what you're trying to do and then the rest kind of comes with it. Yeah, I kind of liken the word now as almost my drag alter ego. It's where I have the most fun. It's where I'm very colourful. It's where I'm like dancing and singing and I'm playing up to the camera and having a lot of sort of comedy and fun but I'm a little bit like a sort of a comedian that way like off Instagram sometimes I can be a bit like introverted or a bit quiet and a bit shy so I actually really have fun like creating my brand now because it sort of unleashes this amateur dramatic child in me that never got the stage break they deserved (laughs) you're so method Lucy I love it (laughs) 
Right, I've picked two snippets from our guests. Um, so Faduma Olo, who's Telegraph Women's Sports Social Media Manager, and one of our season finale guests, Sue Anstis, because so much of what they talked about like really consolidated that notion of what's needed to improve the coverage and storytelling around women's sport. I really like how Faduma actually said that she doesn't actually have any challenges in terms of pitching some of the stories she writes about and actually for her is more about representation around different voices being heard so I thought that was really like interesting around like diversity coming in thoughts and experiences too in that new space and it also linked really well with what Sue was talking about the fact that a lot of our editors in sport are people that have been in a role for a long time and come from a particular perspective and when we're looking to change things and develop things you need to almost like embrace those different voices and I guess challenge what's always gone before. So you've written on issues such as the hijab ban in certain sports, online abuse, athletes managing Ramadan within elite sport. How have you found pitching these kind of stories to publications? I'm, yeah, I find them quite all right to pitch. I've never had a problem pitching anything in that sense. And I, I also think this is why diversity is so important in the workplace. It's like, you know, you need those diverse range of experiences. You need those diverse ranges of thought because... I always say to people, diversity doesn't just come in like skin colour, it comes in like thoughts and experiences and, you know, the journeys that people have gone through or, you know, what they believe in or what they don't believe in. Like, that's where diversity comes from and you need those stories when things come around. So, yeah, the story on the three, you know, the WSL, well, West Ham, they currently don't because they've lost one player, but they did have, I guess, the most Muslim players in their team and they're all observing the month of Ramadan and it was like, it was a huge moment in Premier League football, but unbeknown to so many people, like, again, women's sports was not, not on their radar. It's like, well, it's also happening in women's sports and it's a credit to them for, for talking about it and feeling like that, you know, West Ham have really supported them to come out and speak about, I guess, their faith and what's so important to them. And then I guess similarly with the hijab ban, it's like, you know, I'm thankful that I, I guess I've got a platform where I can, share these things and things like with the hijab ban is something that I guess affected me as a young child and now seeing that in reverse like you know when I'm a lot older I feel like oh this is a bit mad that you know the same conversation is still happening like 10 years later like how is that even possible and again it's, it's the whole thing of women being left behind because you know women are visible you know they're visible in their religiousness in their muslimness so like the, the way that muslim men aren't so the fact that the french national team can have six muslim men and paul pogba can bring the world cup home and nobody says anything but on the same in the same country like you know that women cannot wear hijab from a grassroots level all the way up to elite level that's like completely insane so it's great to be able to share and promote these pieces but yeah i've never really ever had a problem pitching these pieces i actually feel like if anything newsroom are in desperate needs of these pieces because they just don't have the voices to share these pieces. Sometimes you need to have direct experience or at least be able to relate to the community to share those pieces. From a PR perspective, the landscape's changing as well. So Telegraph Women's Sport, certainly mainstream sport coverage has become more diverse, but we still see all white male rugby panels regularly and column inches are still smaller. What do you think is needed in the media to, to really better develop women's sport narrative? I do think that, especially in print media, probably more so more change needed perhaps than in broadcast at the moment but I do think that will always be a challenge while you've got those mainly white middle-aged male sports editors some who do an amazing job and have done a job and some true champion women's sport but they go with what they know but it's not just in terms of the journalists it's in t- it's the researchers it's what they then choose to edit you know who they're sending out to events and so on so I think all those decisions feed into just never really giving women's sport the equal coverage that it deserves and that people want and until they do that and invest in that then we won't see the fan base growing too so I do 
do think it's a structural piece and those staff roles, people stay a long time in those roles too. So I'm not looking for people to be ousted from their jobs, but I think that change takes a while to come through. And I sometimes think there's an issue also that female journalists come on and we put them on female sport, but we think it's only the women that can write about women's sport. Why shouldn't men be writing about women's sport and learning about women's sport? So I think that there's a little bit of a challenge there sometimes. And my next clip was from another season finale, I guess, which is Alice Skeet from Next Door. So we've talked quite a fair bit about brand values and about being human and that big rush to share hashtags like hashtag be kind. But I really liked how she talked about linking those values with the very real kind of vulnerable spaces we need at work in order to be our whole selves and why that's so important when it comes to sort of brand PR and comms as well. There is often that notion of you can be yourself, you can be vulnerable. However, when people do it, what do they receive? And I think that for me was was part of the takeaway from that clip is about when people are vulnerable, we also have to be empathetic to that and also the way we treat them when they have been vulnerable or when they have shared something they are struggling with is just as important to create that culture. But you do now that we're kind of coming out of COVID, you experience these real highs and these real lows. So I actually went to the office for the first time yesterday, which was amazing. But then today, you guys are the first people I've spoken and seen all day. Like I've not seen another human being and I could feel the effect of me like earlier today that I've gone from a full day of stimulation and human interaction to a day sat in a room by myself and you can feel yourself lower and as human beings, we're, we're meant to be social creatures. We're meant to be in a pack and it's just not normal. So I do think it is so important to have that interaction, to have that human side. And I think that is what's really important when it comes to brand branding and comms and PR is that being vulnerable and being human is really important for providing your voice whether you are private sector public sector I think that is just the way we should be shifting we've talked a lot about this on this podcast as well is this that hashtag you know hashtag be kind you know we rush to use those hashtags often you know more needs to really be done to embody kindness and empathy especially in comms and marketing you're a big believer in tech for good what do you think comms teams need to look at or even look like themselves to be able to do that yeah I, I think that really kind of follows on from what I was just saying that I'm such a big advocate about being your whole self so this is something I feel like I've learned personally and at work over the last three years and I think it's so powerful you spend so much time at work and if you can't be your whole true self there and you can't be vulnerable then where else can you be and I do think if you're going to be using these hashtags and saying you are an organization or brand that feels strongly about this you actually have to be able to embody it. So my last little best bit to bring you was um, my chat with Nick Enquistle for One Minute Briefs about how we can be much more creative, practice it, really include it within our day-to-day working lives and I think some of his advice here is so helpful. Sometimes I don't have the idea there and then it will come to me. It will come to me when I'm in the gym, when I'm in the shower, when I'm on the bus, when I'm out for a walk. It's just understanding as a creative or somebody who has to come up with ideas all the time how does your brain work? How is your thought process? Do you think there are lessons as a creative you've learned from One Minute Briefs that our listeners perhaps would benefit from? So like how teams and individuals could be more creative or practice being creative more often? I think actually 
trying to get into the habit of training your mind, taking a little break from your day. And even if it is literally a minute, scribble something down, have a bit of fun, share something. And I also use this technique when I've been in boardrooms and, and meetings and say, you know, get 10 people around the table. I've got one minute to think of a character for this. We'll do that. And in 10 minutes, you've got 100 ideas. And more often than not, they're really good. If I'm on a project that isn't to do with one minute briefs so I'm doing a film or something, I will put everything out of my head. So if I think of a stupid superhero idea or, <laughs> or an animation or anything, I'll just put the idea down and then I'm onto the next page. And then I'll go back to the start and then I'll start to delete the ones that aren't so good. Because in my opinion, there's no such thing as a bad idea. And I think getting your ideas out is important. Some people sit there at a blank piece of paper all day and might come up with one idea that might be the best thing in the world. That might be the way you work. But I like to get everything out of my head and think of all the connections. What's that one thing that the brief is asking you to do or communicate? There's usually one line in a sentence of the brief, isn't there? So how can you do that in all sorts of different ways? So we're now planning season three. Of course, we're bringing back another season of the podcast. Why would we not? So we are looking for partners, sponsors and advertisers who would like to come on board please get in touch. We look forward to hearing from you. Thanks for joining us and everything we've mentioned will be in the show notes. We're talking about the questions and issues that matter to you. So DM us on social or get in touch with Harriet at commsovercoffee.com or myself, Rebecca at threadandfable.com. If you enjoy the podcast, please do rate, review, subscribe so others can find us and have five minutes with us. Find us on Twitter at RebeccaRobert7 or at Harriet Smallsy. Season two of Have You Got Five Minutes is brought to you in partnership with Nextdoor, the neighbourhood app that's used by one in seven households in the UK. This past 18 months, we've all needed to connect a little closer with the communities around us and Nextdoor are working to create a kinder place for people to have a neighbourhood that they can rely on.